Now, boy, we're in this area now where we believe that God is in the midst of us. And that it is not about a great number. And God emphasizes that. In the very presence of, if there just be two or three of you. He doesn't say it would be 200 of you, or 300 of you, or 2,000 of you, or 3,000 of you. I'm in the midst. God is there with just two people who agree on doing what God wants done. God's willing to empower. God's willing to strengthen. God's willing to do. It is the people of God who have to come to a place to believe that God really want to work through them. Oftentimes, we come to church with the mindset of just receiving from God, but not performing or doing or functioning in Christ. We, we come and we're mostly saying, Lord, do this for me, do that for me, do this. And we forget what Paul says, Lord, what would you have me to do? Jesus is in our midst. And when he's in our midst, all fear really disappears. When he's in our midst, the believers, the reason that we gather and we gather together in the name of Jesus, because we want him in our midst. We want to see him, hear him, receive from him. We want him. His presence. Believers gather together into the name of Jesus. Now, it's a promise that he has given us. And when he speaks this in Matthew eighteen twenty, he's even speaking to the future. Not just so much the present, but also future. That he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, I don't care where you're at in this world, he'll be right there in the midst. And sometimes we fight with that. We struggle with that. Is he really here? Is he in our midst? And it's hard for us to believe that he's here. That his presence is here. There has to be a reason for his presence. Jesus looked ahead and and he promised that he'll always be in the midst. When he is present with us, not in the body form that he was with his disciples but he would be present with us. For as we look around in the room, we don't see him, but he's here. But he's here. And we have to believe that by faith. Or we're just going through a religious thing. We're just doing something religiously. We're just like a club then. We're meeting and doing whatever we do, but we're not doing it in his power, his strength, or for his purpose, or for his glory. Because we really don't believe that he's here. And if we don't believe that he's here, he really don't exist. But when we believe that he's present, It brings a different attitude, a different mindset when we believe that he's in our midst. He wants us to know the prayer and the action of two people is more powerful than a thousand because he's present. Because he's present. Because he's present. 
And when he's present, one person can cause a thousand to flee when he is present. When he's present, there's a confidence in us that says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. When he is present, we're saying to ourselves, no matter how hard or how difficult the task is, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because of his presence. Now, in Genesis 4, 26. Turn there with me. Genesis 4, 26. First time that more than just one person really calls upon the name of God. It's the first time, and Seth may have been the preacher here, but there's more than one, and I'm going to even say more than two. For it says in verse 26, Seth also had a son, and he named him Enos. Enos. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. What I want you to catch is this men begin to call. Men, plural, more than one, begin to call upon the name of God together. Men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, let's go back to Matthew 18 and verse 20. And before I go with that, maybe just give you a light very quickly of this chapter. <clears throat> is that one, it starts out with the disciples really coming to a point and saying, who's the greatest among us? They're arguing among themselves. One of the promises why God will be in the midst of us is to keep us from what? Arguing among ourselves. The chairman is not the chairman of the meeting. It's the one in the room that is unseen that is the chair of the meeting. It is God, it is the Lord Jesus Christ that when we meet, we're, we're gathering to meet to accomplish his purpose. Now understand this. If I can break this down to a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. When the husband meets and they have their little business meeting in the house, it's not the husband that's really the head. Who's the real head? The Lord Jesus Christ. And both have to be willing to listen to who? To Christ. To Christ. Both have to be willing to listen to Christ. And he says, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. The other issue that he brings up in this lower area is also the one who would discord sin or bring sin into the camp of believers or into the meeting of believers. And the whole process is that he is the one who would caused that discord to take place. And he says in verse 7, Woe to the world because of that thing that causes people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man, singular. But woe to the man through whom they come. And then he goes into the parable of the lost sheep. And then he hits the area where your brother might sin against you and and the steps that should be taken there. Then he goes into the area of the unfaithful servant and so forth, and ends with that, in a sense. Because the whole issue in there is the forgiveness that has to take place. But in the midst of all this, this little verse 
pops up in verse 20. And it simply says, For where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. The King James says, in the midst of. In the midst of. But he's saying, I'm there. I'm there. And the hearts of the believers have to come to a place that they acknowledge his presence. And one of the ways that we acknowledge his presence sometimes, even in the marriage, we stop everything and do what? Pray. We stop everything and we ask this question, is it God's will? And we do the same thing in a meeting sometimes. Stop everything and then center everything around this. Is this God's will for us? And how can we determine if this is God's will? Because you want to look for those signposts. You want to look for those things that say, this really is God's will for my life. Why? He's in the midst of it. And if he's in the midst of it, he's going to direct you. If you'll listen. If he's in the midst of it, he's going to guide you. He's going to talk to you. And here's the part that sometimes is hard for us. In the very midst of it, he's going to correct us. He's going to correct. And he promised them, for where two or three come together, because among two people, you can have what? A disruption. Among two people. Boy, it's like a volcano taking off. Among two people. They can get mad enough to start an earthquake. It'll break up everything. Among two people. It don't have to be a hundred. It don't have to be two hundred. Just two people, catch this, can destroy God's plan. If you don't believe it, go back to Genesis and see two people. An Adam and an Eve. That in a sense exploded everything. And got us all evicted. And he says, I'll be right there. And in Hebrews 13, he simply says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He's not here bodily, but he's here. Because of this promise, he's here. Why? Because we're meeting in the name of who? Jesus. He's here. He's here. Now, in Malachi, and it's strange how the Holy Spirit will put this together. So turn over to Malachi 3 with me. Because he speaks about the man. And and this is what happens when we do meet together. And it should take place. And it takes place in Sunday school. It takes place after church. Kind of sometimes wish it would take place in church. And hopefully... Uh, next month we're going to have two meetings and those two meetings and then August we'll have two meetings and maybe end up in September with two meetings. So we may have about six meetings which we're going to have a talk about. You may say, well, what's a talk about? Australia. They say when you get a certain age as a young man, you would take a walkabout. And what we're going to do is do a talkabout. The walkabout, you would walk about and see Australia and just see. And what we're going to do is do a talkabout that you can come with any kind of question, anything that's on your heart or your mind. And uh, I got two excellent theologians here, Melvin and boy, I tell you that Travis hot out of school just two years and been studying. See, I got two excellent theologians that can answer anything. 
And we're going to put them on the stage and I'm going to moderate. And they're going to answer those questions. And that's going to be our talk about. So kind of plan for that in July. Uh, uh, second and third Sunday in July. Five o'clock. Talk about. Amen? Amen. And, and the whole thing. Listen to what he says there in verse 16 of chapter 3. Then those who feared the Lord, talked with what? Each other. God knew if we meet in his name, what are we going to do? We're going to talk. As it was mentioned in Sunday school, strategize or have a structure. Well, you're talking about that to put it together. And he says, I'll be in the midst of that. I'll be in the midst of that. And he says, boy, then those who fear the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. Now, now he's there. For he's doing what? He's listening and he's hearing each person with their information and how they're sharing. But again, I would say also, in your heart and in your mind, God is making corrections also. You're talking with others. You're in a meeting with others. And yet, God is listening and he's hearing and God is interacting with his people even as they are meeting. Why? Because he promised he would be in the midst of us, interacting with us. And he goes on and he says, a stroll of remembrance was written in the presence concerning those who feared the Lord and, catch this, honored him. When you reference God and you honor him and you're in a meeting, guess what you're looking for? God's purpose, God's will. God's purpose, God's will. And it's good for us to struggle with that. Because it teaches us to listen to him. It teaches us to desire and want to hear from him. It removes us from the self, in a sense. That we plan, but then God thwarts the plans of man. But what is true, God will order the steps of a righteous man in the manner in which he desired them to go. And that God is in the midst of us talking and correcting, listening as we carry on this meeting and as we're sharing with each other. God is right there in the midst. Why? Because he promised he would be. He promised he would be right there in the midst of us. Now, in James 1.5, he says, If any man lacks wisdom, do what? Let him ask. Do we need wisdom? When do you need wisdom? Sometimes when I'm talking with Lane, I need a whole lot of wisdom. And she needs that about me. And when you're talking about the things of God, and you're in a meeting, you need wisdom. But there's something else we have need of. And that's why he's in the midst of us. That's why he's promised to be there. Because we need wisdom. We need understanding. We need guidance. And we need knowledge. That is imparted by him. That's given to us. In the midst of the meeting. That we can have confidence that he would be there and he will direct us and he'll speak to us if we train ourselves to listen and to hear. And here's one of the most important things. Be quick to what? Listen and slow to what? And guess what we have the habit of? Speaking 
before we really what? Listen. We're out to defend ourselves, defend our plan, defend what we're putting out here before we really take time to listen. And we need the wisdom, the guidance, and the understanding, and the knowledge that can only come through him. And therefore he promised he will be in the midst of us in chairing this meeting, in directing this meeting, dealing with the conversations that are going on. He's in the midst of us. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, one of the ways in which you can really understand if he's not having any part in that meeting, that he's not in the discussion, that he isn't there to, with the freedom of speaking up or sharing or participating. He's there, but he's been silenced. Because we don't want his knowledge. We don't want his wisdom. We don't want his understanding. We want to lean on our own understanding. We want to take our own little bitty knowledge, which is only foolishness when it comes compared to his knowledge. And we want to be seen and we want to be heard rather than him. One of the quickest ways is that you can tell that, boy, he's not really there in the meeting. That he's not being heard is there when there's all this confusion and argument. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He is not a God of confusion. Because, see, God's not going to mislead one of us, two of us, a hundred of us. God is not going to mislead anyone. He's going to be just silent until you desire to hear from him. And when there's all this confusion, now there's a difference between disagreement and argument. Argument sometimes boils down you're arguing just from foolishness. You're arguing from stupidity. You're arguing just to win your point but you have no real facts to put behind it. You can't even prove the possibility of God being involved in it or showing how God would be involved in it. And sometimes we argue just because I want to argue. Nobody's listening, but I'm going to make y'all listen to me, even if I got to raise it up a little bit. And what we need to understand, God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God that's going to stand around and do a bunch of foolish arguments. He is in the midst to bring about order and proper function. He's in our midst to bring about order and proper function. He's in the midst of the marriage to bring about submission of the wife, but great love of the husband to the wife. He's in there. That I would love my wife as Christ loveth the church. He's the only one who can really make that happen. And for the woman who submits to her husband, he's the only one who can give her the confidence to submit. So he's in that mess, working. He's in that meeting, working. And he orders the steps. Because why? He wants you to function properly. And understand this little principle about God. And this is where sometimes we miss it. God is never in a hurry. 
again I will say, go look at Genesis. God could have spoken and everything of creation could have been in place right now. But it says seven days. God didn't have to take seven days to create. But God is never in a hurry. And oftentimes when we get in a hurry, the issue is this. Is God lagging behind trying to catch up? Or is he really leading? And then we have to catch up. It's going to be one or the other. Either I'm out in front of him or he's out in front of me. It's one or the other. And if you recognize that you're out in front of him, then you need to stop and be still and let him take his proper position and get in front of you and guide you. Turn with me to Proverbs 16.9. Because when he's in our midst, he is working. And, and we need to recognize that he's working in us and through us. And he has a purpose in all that. That he's working in us for his glory. In 16.9 he says, in his, in his heart a man plans his course. Now, now, God doesn't expect us to just sit idle and do nothing. There should be some plans there. But in your plans, are you acknowledging him? In your plans, have you wrote it in concrete and God can't change it? You plan. And as you're plan, planning, you're saying, God, this step. Is it okay? God, is this step okay? Is this what you're directing me to do? Is this what you want? And God, if you want to blow it all up, blow it all up. And God, wherever you want to make the changes, you make the changes. Why? He's in the midst to direct us. He's in the midst to guide us. He's in the midst to instruct us. He's in the midst to correct us. He's in our midst to give us wisdom, guidance, understanding, and knowledge. Why? Because he wants us to shine. He wants us to shine and to be a witness of him. Not so much that we're going out asking people, but because how people see us in victorious living and how we're living, people come and ask us. And he, again, he says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his what? His steps. The Lord determines the steps that are going to be taken. You give him that flexibility. You give that to him. Lord, order my steps. Lord, you direct me in my steps. And show me how to take each proper step. Don't let me turn to the right. Don't let me turn to the left. But Lord, order my steps as I go forward in life. And don't let me run ahead of you. But Lord, let me step where you've already planned for me. Let me walk where you've already cleared the road for me. And he says, boy, he'll order the steps of a righteous man. Over to Psalms 37. Over to Psalms 37. Because he's in our mess. And he wants to be part of our life. And that's why he's there. 3733, he says, wait for the Lord. Oh, let me get there. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Uh, The Lord won't allow certain things to what? Happen to us. Why? He's ordering our steps. But the Lord will not leave them Isn't that his promise? But he's right here with us in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. 
as I'm going through a test, I'm going through this. He's not going to allow me to be condemned. If I'm following him and following the steps that he's laid out, he's going to cause me to be victorious. Man may want me to fall. Man may want me not to achieve. But God will cause me to rise above what man is trying to keep me from accomplishing. Now, each one of us have to really deal with it. And that's this. Think of what Jesus means. In your life, what does Jesus really mean? In your life, when you say Jesus, what does that really mean? When you speak of his name, Is there power and authority in that name when you say Jesus? And remember, he's in the midst of the meeting. He's in the midst. And when you think of Jesus, you all think, he's going to guide me. He's going to direct me. He's going to give me peace. He's going to give me the words to say. He's going to order my steps. He's going to clean up my life. He's going to get all the foolishness out of my life. He's going to do things just because I speak the name of Jesus. He's in the midst. The name represents the Godhead. And Colossians 1.19 says, In that name it pleased God that the fullness... The fullness of the Godhead would be present. So in the midst of the meeting, and Jesus is there, the fullness of the Godhead is also there. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are all there. Why? Jesus represents the fullness of the Godhead. And we understand the power that's in that name, the authority that's in that name. And when that name is spoken, it's not just Jesus, it is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that are present. And he says, I'll be in the midst of you because I represent who? The total Godhead. Now understand this little principle about yourself. You are an investment. He invested his life in you. He shed his blood for you. You are his investment. And anybody who got investments keeps a pretty close eye on their end. And that's all Jesus is doing. He's in the midst of us to keep his eye upon his investment of himself into that life. You are his investment. And he's there protecting his investment. He's there overseeing his investment. That you shine. That you glorify the name of his Father. That you yield to the Holy Spirit. That you're following through with his word. He's there watching his investment. So he stays in the midst of us. He stays in the midst of us. And the whole process, when Jesus is present, boy, the very fullness of the Godhead is there. It's there. And if Jesus is with us today, it's not just Jesus. It's the Father, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Godhead is present here. And that's hard sometimes for us to grasp where we're at. Up here. Up here. But it's a reality. If God would open our eyes and really allow us to see 
what was really here right now. We may see the angels of God being directed by the Holy Spirit holding back the enemy who would like to just devour us. What we need to also understand is that when Jesus is present in the midst of us, he's practicing. He's working out his own position Go to First Peter because he is called the chief shepherd. Now, where, where is the shepherd usually found? <laughs> the shepherd is always found with who? The sheep. He's always found with the sheep. He's never far from the sheep. He's right there with them doing what? Watching over them. And he's called that chief shepherd. When he's in the midst of us, he's watching over us. And he's performing his task as the chief shepherd in the midst of us. So in First Peter 5, 4, he simply says, Boy, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. Now, remember Malachi, where he said, where they're in the meeting, that in the book, he's writing down remembrance. If you were in a meeting, and you were purposely trying to cause discord, God got a record of it. You're in the meeting, and you're talking. Jesus can do this. Jesus is more than able. We just got to make sure we're really following his will, not man's will. He's taking notes. That's why the word says every idle word we will be what? Held accountable for. And he takes good notes. He's not missing. Why? He's in the midst of us. He's in the midst of us. Oh, I said something to so-and-so. They spoke it. They believed me. They trusted me. And they were not afraid to share it. All y'all who text, God beat you at it. And the whole process... He's taking good notes. It's being written down in that meeting. Not just by the secretary, but God is taking his notes. Why? He's in the midst of us. He's the chief shepherd. He really is the one who is in charge of the meeting because we came in his name to meet for his purpose and to carry out his will. That's what we're meeting for. And he's in the midst. We are coming together to carry out God's will, not Pastor Brown's will. Not the elders' will, but God's will. Let me give you a little illustration. We was having an elders' meeting, and I presented something to them. And one of the elders kind of like changed it and said, no, maybe we need to do this. And that'll help us do this, this, and that. And my goal was, boy, I just wanted to do this, that I could get done with something and just be as much as I can. But you know something? It was a blessing to be able to yield because the other things that needed to be done was able to be covered. (laughs) And they were right. And that's why God says, boy, there is 
wisdom and safety in a multitude of counselors. Why? He's right there in the midst too. And he's sharing. And then we're grateful when we look back and see how God worked because we listened. I'm grateful that I was able to listen and hear and then do what they asked. Because it's not only Pastor Brown that cares about Aquin Lions Fellowship or want to do God's will, but there's other men that he has placed around me that want to do that. And, and therefore, we each hear each other. And our prayer is that the chief shepherd is there shepherding us and ministering to us. Now, we call a meeting, but we want access to God. See, a lot of times we can meet and we're just going through a meeting with a bunch of stuff on the paper and God's nowhere even involved in it. When we meet, we want access to God to be able to say, Lord, is this what you want? Scratch it off. Throw it out. God, is this how you want us to handle this? Is this the direction you want us to go? Is this what you believe the people need at this time and we are to implement it? We call a meeting, but we do not call a meeting as Christians to just meet without Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, not to be there. But when we meet in his name, we're expecting him to be where? Right there in the midst of us. And that's his promise. That he would be in the midst of us. To be able to correct us and show us and and guide us through situations. We call a meeting, but we want access to him. We want access to him that we can talk with him. We can bring his word into this picture and truly allow him to minister to us. We want God's presence. We want his voice. We want his guidance. We want his favor. We want his peace. Go, to me, go with me to Romans chapter 5, 1 and 2. Look at what it says. I want you to compare it with me also when we go into John. Because when we're in this meeting, we're expecting him to be there. And if Jesus is there, and we recognize Jesus is there, he gives us access to the Father. He gives us access to the favor or the grace of God. He gives us access to the mercy of God, to the wisdom of God. And he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained what? Access. The right to meet with the Godhead. The right to meet with the Father. The right to meet with the Holy Spirit. The right to meet with those who put creation together. We have access to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because Jesus Christ himself is in the midst of it. Are you with me on it? And he, he says, we have access. Access to what? And look how it has to work, by faith. Remember I said, in this room, we don't see Jesus? But does our faith say he's here? We don't see, but by faith we believe he's here. By faith we're believing that the Holy Spirit is ministering to everybody in this room in some way, somehow. A lot of things can be said in 45 minutes or an hour or half hour. But for most of us, we will only take away 
this much. What you will take away is what the Holy Spirit places on your heart. You won't take away the whole message. But you will take away that which is important to you and for your growth and for your nurturing. And you will only take away this much. Though I may give out this much, you're only taking away this much. And that whole process is that, boy, he's there. We want to hear his voice. We want to hear his, his guidance. He's in the midst of doing that for us. And we need to recognize that. Now go to John 14, because that's where it, oftentimes we take this only as a salvation type thing. But I want to take it a step further. And that Jesus means this for everybody. No one can have access to the Father or to the glory of God or to the triune God unless it comes through Jesus. No one. A lot of meetings that may just start off in prayer because that's the thing we are to do. We get caught up also in tradition rather than meaningfulness. Tradition is what we just do. We do it because that's how it's been done. But there's no meaningful purpose behind what we're doing because we're just practicing what we've seen other folks in church do. It's meaningful when you pray. And you know who you're praying to. And that you're praying in his will. It's meaningful. It's meaningful when you pray and you truly believe that God will act. And you're not just babbling on just to show off. Or because I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to pray, but I don't expect nothing to happen. But when we pray fervently and believe God's going to work, that's different. It's that whole process of understanding that no man can come to the Father other than through Jesus Christ. So in that second part of verse 6 in chapter 14, John said, no one comes to the Father. That even includes us. That includes us. We don't go to the Father except through who? Jesus Christ. And we can't even get to the Father until we know that we have repented and been washed in the blood of Christ. We're stopped at the door until those things are settled. And only through the blood of Christ and only through the forgiveness of Christ can I have what? Access to the Father. No one comes to the Father but by me. He's in the midst of us, correcting us, checking us, making sure we're fulfilling his will, not ours. Now, no one gets into his presence without Jesus. So we, what? We gather in his name that we might have the Godhead in our presence who is in the very midst of us so we may have access and favor and grace and power and strength in his presence because of him. Now, when we come together, Jesus is with us whether it be two of us or three of us. Now, here comes the mind of many Christians, and this is one of our problems. Because we think like the world. 
And God's trying to get me out of thinking like the world. I want you to think. If Akron Lands had a thousand people here, what do you believe we could do? Anything. Everything. But because we have about 60 people, 40 to 60 people, what do you believe we can do? <laughs> there it is. We can do whatever God has purpose for us to do. It's not about our numbers. It's about Him. Therefore, I'm walking by faith and not by sight. Therefore, I'm not looking at numbers before I can do this or do that. There's only two of us will do it if God says do it. Because I understand if God says do it and he assigns me that task, he will provide everything that we what? Have need of. Ezra and Nehemiah found that out. If we just be obedient to God, God gives us favor with the king and the king signs and we have everything we have need of to do what God wants us to do back in Jerusalem. To build the wall, to build the temple. Even though the enemy says no, but God has said do this and they believe and they trust it. It was not by some great numbers that they had that they step out. What was Gideon's problem? What did Gideon want? Gideon wanted this large what? Large army. (laughs) And God took him down the what? (laughs) God is more than a thousand. God on your side is more than a million. God will fight the battle while you just watch. God will build while you watch. God will do while you just watch. Why? He's in the midst of us. And what he's expecting from us is just be obedient to him. That's all where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst. And he'll do great things. He'll do great things. Faith says Jesus is with us. We don't see him, but he's with us. In the marriage, I have to believe Jesus put us together. This is not so much my choice. Boy, when I first saw Elaine when we was in junior high school, high school park, boy, it was all the flesh. Not understanding what God was going to do. Because he could not have given me a better wife to journey with me through the ministry. For the ups and downs of ministry, for the tough times of ministry, having electric turned off, having gas turned off, not getting paid, not having hospitalization. I could not have asked for a better wife to hang in there with me and be a part. And never really complaining. Never complaining. But always an encourager. And it's by faith that I believe that Jesus is in the midst of our life working out what he wants to work out. Why? He has promised to be with us. He has promised us never to leave us nor forsake us. But in our discussion time, in our debate time, in our relationship, we have to constantly remind ourselves he's in the midst of us. When you're in a meeting and everything is going, you've got to remind yourself, he's here. He's in the midst, and I am to honor him. He reveals that he is with us. 
by the results of the meeting. He proves that he's part of the marriage by the results that take place in the marriage. He proves his presence by doing what man cannot do on his own. He reveals himself. So in John 20, 19, he demonstrates this to us. Go to John 20 and go to verse 19. And, and, and look what happens. And he demonstrates it. He says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples together, and this is after his resurrection, this is after he'd been crucified, this is after he'd been put in the tomb, and he comes forth because... Boy, they're fearful. They're doubting if this Jesus, even though he told them that he will come back in three days. And they're fearful. But he says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be in the midst of you. He says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, Now the doors are locked. No one knows how Jesus got into this meeting. All the doors are locked. They never heard. They never invited in. Nobody left the door open by accident. For the Holy Spirit makes it very clear for us why they were in this room, all the doors were what? Locked. Nobody could get in. The doors locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Where is he at? Right in the midst. Right in the midst of their fear. Right in the midst of their unbelief. Right in their midst of not performing and doing. Right in their midst. He's right there. And he reveals himself. What would happen to us if just for a moment we could see that bodily form of Jesus right here. But yet he's here in the midst of us and we don't know how he gets in here. We don't know how he gets into our marriages. We don't know how he gets into the meeting room with us. We don't know how but the promise he will be in our midst. He'll be there. We have to believe it. We have to trust it. That he'll never leave us or forsake us and he will be in the midst of us. Even in the times of our fear together. Even in the time of our doubts together even while we're debating issues together, he's in the midst there, directing us, correcting us, trying to order our steps. Say, do this first, not that. Put this down as the second step, after you have only done this. Giving us wisdom, giving us favor, he's there. And what they do They see him. Remember the last couple of sermons where I've been saying? When you come to church, you want to be able to see him at work. The second thing, you want to hear from the mouths of people what God is doing in their lives. What God is doing in our midst. And you want to hear from God yourself. You want to see and you want to hear 
they were able to see, they were able to hear, and then that third thing, receive from him. Receive from him. Come on down with me into verse 23. He gave them peace, so they received that. But look what else takes place in verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. They were able to see, they were able to hear, and they were able to receive from him. Why? He's right there in the mess. And he knew he was not going to show up in every meeting in a bodily form. And it was going to be by faith that you would have to believe that he's in the midst. It's by faith that you have to believe that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's not about your circumstances. It's about the promises of him. And you hold to those promises. And you recognize he is not a liar. That he's with you to guide you, to give you wisdom, to give you understanding, to give you knowledge, to keep you safe, to give you peace, to show you mercy, to shower favor upon you, to bless you. He's right there in the midst of us. The promise to believers is that when you meet He says, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Now understand this. When you understand that Christ is present in your meeting, it automatically humbles you because of his presence it automatically slows up your mouth that you might listen rather than be speaking. It automatically gives you godly wisdom on how to answer. It also gives you understanding of the other people who you are conversing with. And he also then gives you the knowledge of how this thing should look or function. All that is taking place in this meeting because he's promised to do what? To be right there in the midst of it. Understand something. I believe this. It took me a good long time to learn it. If you got to fight for it, it's not of God. If you really got to fight for it, it's not of God. Now, there's a difference between fighting and standing. God says, after you've done all else, just what? Stand. But if I got to fight for it, there's really not God. Now, that don't mean I don't pursue, I don't go after, I don't work. But I don't have to belittle somebody to get it. I don't have to beat up on somebody to get it. I don't have to go into a cussing mode and a thing to get it. I don't have to get into a screaming match to get it. Because whatever God wants me to have, he's going to bring it into my life. And he's going to perform it through me, whatever he wants me to perform. The promise to believers that when you meet, I'm there. And everybody around that table have to acknowledge that. Why? Because it makes a difference in the meeting. Understand this. All authority and power 
is in the name of Pastor Gus Brown. No. In the name of Jesus. And when everybody in the meeting understands he's a sovereign God and what God wants to work, boy, we're ready to step out by faith. We're ready to just search out, is this God's will? Or is this man's will? We're ready to search those two things out. And we should never be challenged or fearful because somebody said, we need to really check this out and make sure this is what God wants us to do. There's never no fear in that. To checking it out to see if this is what God wants done. And then to be able to line the facts up that this is what God did. This is what God did. This is what God did. And be able to understand this is what God is doing. Because see, all power is given in his name. And when we meet in his name, the power of the Godhead is there. Every knee will bow to Pastor Gus Brown. No. But every knee will bow to the name of who? See, every one of us will humble under the acknowledgement of the presence of Jesus Christ. Never to a pastor, never to an elder, never to man, but always to God. And we show him honor and reverence when we bow to him and his wishes and his will in what is taking place. Thirdly, his claim. His claim of ownership of us. His claim of ownership in the meeting of the believers. I own you, I own you, I own you, I own you, I own you. And you all bow to my will. You all bow to my desires. You all bow to me because I'm right here in the midst but I'm using you as a body to function. And I'm the head of the body. And you're going to follow me. And we're willing to do that. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. And this is why it takes place. When we understand this, that Jesus Christ really is the head of our life. He simply says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your what? Yeah. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're sitting at the table to bring your part of my will into this meeting. Let me use you. Let me talk through you. Be a part. Why? I'm in the mess. Let's forge this thing. Let's get this strategy out. Let's perform this. Why? For his glory. 